stand by for Wyoming Hooking and Hunting Outdoors with your host, Drew Kirby. Hey, this is Luke Holmes. I am Morgan Wallen. I'm Riley Green. I'm Travis Denning. Hey, I'm Aaron Lewis. Hey, it's Luke Bryan. I'm Tim McGraw. What's up? This is Ian Munsick. Ah, uh, this is Craig Morgan. And you're listening to Wyoming Hooking and Hunting Outdoors. My Country 95.5. It's the crisp month of October. We have left the heat behind us, and now we're looking ahead to winter. And we've got a lot going on here in the area. Of course, have you heard about the new... Stipulations that have been put into effect at Glendo and Keyhole. Uh, Janet and Eric Hansen from Wyoming Game and Fish Department on the show today to discuss it in detail. Uh, there was some cheating happening in a walleye tournament out east. We'll kind of touch on that with Brian from Rocky Mountain Discount Sports. And we'll introduce you to Hank Edwards, who is one of the important people in Wyoming Game and Fish Department's Labs. You may not hear a whole lot about it, but you hear about uh, sending in samples for the chronic wasting disease. And Hank is one of those in charge of making sure that uh, that that is all done in the proper way. We'll introduce you to Hank today, and then next week we'll get more into the uh, chronic wasting disease. It's going to be a fantastic show. Sit back, relax, sip on that coffee, and enjoy. My Country, 95.5, Wyoming hooking and hunting outdoors with Drew Kirby. If you have a question, want to make a comment, or have an idea for a show topic, message us on the My Country mobile app. My Country, 95.5. Take my- Wyoming hooking and hunting outdoors on My Country, 95.5. All right, Janet, uh, there's been some uh, some things happening on the waters here in Wyoming, Glendo and Keyhole, where it's very important that we get the word out because uh, it may slow your road to water time down just a little bit. Um, we have um, implemented some different hours for boating in both Glendo and Keyhole in response to some pretty scary information that we've learned about some aquatic invasive species that are getting a little bit closer to our borders. And and we want to do everything possible to keep them out of some of our favorite fisheries and favorite recreation areas for our Wyoming boaters. And so hopefully it's just for this fall until we can get things figured out. But but we're looking at some some time differences. Eric Hansen, who is the AIS specialist here in the Casper region, is with us this morning as well. And Eric, we talk about recreation and being out on the water and having a good time and that's what Game and Fish is really promoting is making sure we have these resources available. And that's really why these new stipulations have been put into effect so we can continue to do that and have those options. Absolutely. You know, and a lot of our boaters are familiar with our, our slogan, you know, drain clean dry. And this is more important than ever because, you know, these uh, shoulder seasons and these cooler evenings that we have, uh, a lot of these invasive species, uh, when they're juveniles and even as adults, you know, can survive in standing water that uh, in the right conditions can be for up to a month at a time. So this is really that key time of the year where things get spread around, uh, usually unknowingly. So it's just important to remember, you know, that it's uh, your responsibility as a boater as well as ours to check that boat and make sure that it's free of any standing water, mud, or debris and clean and ready to go on, an, on a lake here in Wyoming. 
So this is just precautionary, and there's nothing to worry about right now. Are there any invasive species now in Wyoming that we need to worry about? Uh, that's a great question, Drew. Um, actually, with zebra and quagga mussels kind of being the poster child of the AIS program, a lot of the others get overlooked, but we actually have um, quite a list of different species that we consider to be aquatic invasive species within the state of Wyoming. Um, and that's from anything from mollusks to fish to uh plants even. So we do have different invasive species within the state, um, things like Asian clam, uh, which we've had in the state in Keyhole, in Guernsey, and most recently found in Glendo, and plants like curly pondweed, which we have in Lake DeSmit and Pathfinder and some of the other reservoirs around the state. The finding of Asian clams at this time uh, was kind of a reiteration, you know, that things, once they are in the state, do move around. And, you know, it's important to make sure that folks understand the differences between some of them and realize that, you know, with zebra and quagga mussels, they're the only ones of these that are going to attach to a surface and actually um, clog infrastructure that way. So that's what makes them extremely detrimental to our waters. Um, but all of these species have a different effect where they don't have predation within our waters here. And which is exactly why we had the AIS checks and to get out on Glendo or Keyhole now, you'll have to have that uh, every time you go out on the water now, right? Yeah. So we, we have put those um, into effect. We have narrowed down to one single boat ramp for each water. Um, that information is online, but if you're headed to Glendo um, from here, Whiskey Gulch is where you can go and there'll be inspectors there ready to go. Right now, from 7 a.m. to 5 p.m. Um, is when they're going to be there. But as the time starts to change, right, the daylight's going to change, it will be kind of from daylight to dusk because we want to keep our inspectors and boaters safe. And we're going to be doing an inspection on every boat that launches because we do want to make sure that we are stopping any of these adult live mussels as well as any standing water, as Eric was just explaining. And so so it is kind of going to be a little bit different for a little while. Okay, so we know Keyhole and Glendo are the two right now that are really the focus, but why? You know, that's a really good question, Drew. And and I kind of said the same thing when, when I first heard about it was why not everywhere or why these two? And it was really great to talk to some of the folks in the AIS program who went back to the data and they saw, okay, these are our two high risk waters. These are the waters that boaters from South Dakota visit. And these are the places that people from Wyoming go to South Dakota and then come back to visit. So this is, this was really driven by the numbers. Um, when the AIS specialists looked at at what what's going to happen and what is the highest risk. So it was really interesting to hear that, and, and there is science behind it. Eric, when you go through this checkpoint and you're getting ready to get out on the water, you're excited, you, you've got your mind focused on fishing, how long is it going to take for this to be finished? For the standard inspection, you're going to be there maybe three to five minutes or really as long as it takes to fill out the paperwork while we go through the steps. Um, it's really just making sure that all compartments are free of any uh, water, uh, checking anchors, things like that that could be holding mud or debris. Um, and also, you know, depending on the history of that boat is going to kind of signal what kind of inspection that boat's going to get. So, you know, if it's coming from a high-risk water, you might spend 10, 15 minutes as we go through all the compartments and make sure everything's free and clean of uh, AIS. But from there, that's your one hiccup in the day, and we hope to make it as uh, painless as possible.
Wyoming to Wyoming hooking and hunting outdoors. My Country 95.5. All right, Janet, sometimes we have to bring some brains into this show so that we can actually be informative to others. And today we're we're really digging deep, but we found a little bit of brain activity. Oh, you know, that's questionable for those of you guys that know Hank Edwards. But yes, we brought in one of our Game and Fish big brains to talk to us today about a lot of fun things. You said, uh, Hank does the boring stuff. We were pre-chatting and, and it really is intriguing and interesting to me to hear some of the information that, that Hank has, especially if you love the outdoors, but you're wondering why in the heck are the numbers so low for deer and, and antelope every year? And why are we not getting as many uh, licenses issued? And Hank's a guy that can tell us exactly why. The Game and Fish Department actually um, is not just composed of game wardens like a lot of the public thinks that we are. And so it is fun to have people like Hank on to learn a little bit more about all the ins and outs of Game and Fish. And Game and Fish actually has two different laboratories that are both based in Laramie, Wyoming. And one of them is kind of the, the cool CSI, right? They get to do all the forensics. And so they're the guys that get to solve the poaching cases and they look at ballistics and and fish health. They tour our fish hatcheries and make sure everything is great there. And then there's the lab that Hank works for, which is kind of like the health department lab, right? That that all of us that kind of go as humans um, to see how we're doing, what diseases we might have, get some shots, some general checkups. That's where Hank works and at our wildlife health lab. And Hank is actually the supervisor. So welcome, Hank. Thanks, Janet. That was a really nice introduction. Um, I'm sorry if you guys are counting on some brains entered into this. I'm probably not the one to bring in, but I will do my best. Use a couple of big words and you've got us all beat. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Hank, what are some of the, the things that you guys would study in your lab? Not the exciting lab, like Janet says, but, you know, in, in more of the health inspector type of lab. Our lab has been in existence, oh, geez, at least 50 years now. And our role uh, originally started out to monitor brucellosis in elk and bison in northwestern Wyoming. Those uh, roles have greatly expanded now, and we really monitor all diseases and all wildlife across the state of Wyoming. So we pay attention, of course, to... The ones that you hear about frequently, like chronic wasting disease, rabbit hemorrhagic disease, all those things that are in the news. But we also monitor everything else. So particularly this time of year, we get lots of calls from hunters when they're open up their animal with during their field dressing. They notice something that doesn't quite look right. They give us a call, send us a bunch of pictures off their cell phone. And we do our best to diagnose wildlife disease over the phone. We always keep a good eye on what diseases are circulating and, more important, what effect they're having on some of our populations. Hank, you mentioned that when your lab was opened 50 years ago that you really just were studying the elk and bison in northwest Wyoming. But now it's all over the state. Is there more disease or is the disease that's here just more prominent? Yes, both of those. Certainly, there's a greater awareness uh, for what diseases are out there, but there's also more diseases, right? So, uh, you know, 50 years ago, chronic wasting disease was probably just starting to get its foothold, and now it occurs across the entire state. And we've seen a lot of other diseases come through that are new, like high path avian influenza. Rabbit hemorrhagic disease was brand new to the state last year. New diseases, better awareness, 
and better tools to discover and identify these diseases as well. You guys are studying not just what's happening here. Uh, it's kind of like the aquatic invasive species where we don't want it to come here. So you're studying how to prevent it. That's correct. Not only studying how to prevent it if we can, which is always tough in wildlife populations, just an awareness that we're looking for it should it appear here. One of the things that Hank's lab does do is if we're doing transplants, for example, if we want to move bighorn sheep from area A to area B, or we're looking to put antelope fawns from area A to area B, they do all of the testing on those animals, on those populations to make sure that they are healthy and disease free so that they don't introduce things across the state. Hank, you've mentioned a couple of times that there's a website where if someone has a question about one of the diseases, maybe what they need to look for, it's very informative on the website. We really encourage people to uh, go to the Wyoming Game and Fish website. You can toggle through and find the wildlife health page uh, or just Google wildlife health Wyoming Game and Fish. Uh, it'll take you right to our page. And there you'll find the current up-to-date maps on where high path avian influenza is occurring, where EHD and blue tongue are occurring, CWD, a rabbit hemorrhagic disease. We maintain a whole host of uh, up-to-date maps on many diseases. Uh, and in addition, there is a reporting tool. So if you happen to find a bunch of dead rabbits, let's say, there's a way for you to report that right on our website. Uh, and then we will get in contact with you and try and trace trace that down. Awesome. Hank Edwards from Wyoming Game and Fish's Health Lab in Laramie, doing our big things to make sure that hunting and fishing is taken care of here in the Cowboy State. Hank, we appreciate it, Janet, as always, and we appreciate you listening. Have a great week. Come back next week, and uh, we've got another awesome show planned for you. Also, if you want, you can go listen to all of our episodes on demand at the My Country 95.5 app. In hunting outdoors, My Country 95.5. October rolls on, and Brian, you guys have been slammed in the hunting department. Uh, lots of people coming in to make sure they have everything that they need before they head out into the field. Yeah, we've had uh, not just locals, but we've had a lot of out-of-staters that are working with a lot of the local guides. And uh, we're getting a lot of guns set up for guys still, you know, looking for ammunition that will fit, you know, guns that are in stock. And uh, we're taking care of them. Now, uh, obviously, there are guys that have been out and they did the, the bow hunting and, and they've been waiting for rifle to come on. So maybe they've had the rifle in the closet still and, and now they're breaking it out. I mean, what are some of the things they need to do to make sure that that's ready to go? Well, hopefully, you know, your rifle is still sighted in and didn't have any damage or any problems with it in the previous years. But obviously, you got to go out there and, and sight those, those in. Uh, we can certainly, uh, level scopes and bore sights, uh, scopes and guns. So we have a lot of people that are coming in that are, you know, upgrading scopes or changing one scope from one gun to another gun or their buddy gave them a scope and they want to put that on their on their gun. So we've been doing a lot of uh, scope mounting and, and bore sighting. So if you maybe have a, a scope that didn't do you justice last year and you're looking for new optics, I mean, obviously you guys will not only show them the one that they really need to help for their situation, but you help put them on. 
Yeah, you know, our goal is to try to get you the right scope for, for the right situation. So, you know, if you're buying a rim fire and you want to put a 5 by 25 on there, probably not the best case scenario. But, you know, we might be able to give you a nice 2 to 7 rim fire um, scope that'll that'll be good for that gun. So if you're really looking for anything hunting, I mean, we're talking about guns and scopes now, but even down to calls and scents and even your, uh, your, your skinny knives and you've got it all there. And that's what I like about Rocky Mountain Discount Sport because it's not just, uh, you go in and you got one thing. You've got it all. I'll be honest with you. This is the time of year that I really, I really like being in the store and talking to customers because we've had an awful lot of customers from out of town and, uh, I'll just give you a quick story if it's okay, but yeah. I had a, I had a customer come in the other day and he's, and he says, man, I walked in the store and I saw all these mounts up on the wall and he goes, just bring a tear to my eye. He goes, we don't have anything like this back where, where I live. And I said, well, where do you live? He goes, well, I don't want to tell you. Oh, no. And I said, let me guess, you're from California. <laughs> he goes, yep. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, we, we take it for granted, but you know, we're, we're fortunate to be where we're at and yeah. enjoy the outdoors and, you know, we really try to, to pride ourselves in taking, uh, having some good quality merchandise that it's not always going to be the least expensive stuff. It's not going to be a, a sub brand name, a redhead gear or something like that, but you're going to be able to get the mystery ranch packs, the Alps, uh, packs. You're going to be able to get Badlands. You're going to get quality merchandise that's going to last you for a long time. And that really is is something to take to heart because from a guy that is, you know, I grew up in Illinois and lived in California, and you just need something quick, you'll run to Walmart or whatever, and you, right. you'll get whatever. But to have a quality pack or to have a quality piece of equipment is well worth your time and money. When you, when you buy quality merchandise, you're not worrying about the stitching coming out on your pack. You're not, you're not having to replace it every two or three years. This is going to be, you know, equipment that's going to last you a lifetime in a lot of cases, but it's going to, it's definitely going to get you uh, the quality that you're looking for. Make sure you get out to Rocky Mountain Discount Sports before you head out in the field. Maybe it's not a big game. Maybe it's duck and goose hunting or pheasant hunting. I mean, everything in the store is aimed toward the outdoor person. We are definitely outdoors. We are not a ball sport kind of, of uh, location. And uh, But if you're going to be outside hiking, hunting, fishing, camping, we're the place to go. And then, of course, you got the, the grills, which every time I go in, I spend a lot of time here in the store just looking at which smoker that I want. you got the granddaddy of all of them <laughs> over here with the Traegers. And, and there have been a couple of times that I've walked in and, you know, like a smaller version. And I like to camp. I like to, you know... Sometimes you can't have a, a fire during the summer, but you guys have Coleman products. And I got a, a Coleman product that is a four-way stove. So you can grill, you can bake, you can use it as a regular stove. I mean, it's awesome. That was one of my favorite ones. You can turn the lid over and you can do stir-fry in yeah. it. I mean, it's it's a nice little propane one for traveling, and it's great. And we have all those Coleman tailgaters and, and uh, all the uh, single burner, double burner, triple burner, camp, camp chef stoves. Um, we've got what you need. Get out and check it out. If you're heading out in the field, heading out on the water, you can still do some uh, fishing this fall as well. You can come in and see them on Rocky Mountain Discount Sports. Wyoming hooking and hunting outdoors on My Country 95.5. Well, we're, uh, we're here and the, the time of year is great. It's cool all day long and maybe even almost chilly in the morning time. So fishing is very, uh, on top of a lot of people's mind. Maybe they didn't get the draw that they'd like. So they're sticking to the walleye or the trout or any of the other fish we have around here. 
Yeah, this is a great time of year. I mean, even if you uh, do have a big game license, it's always on your mind to get out there and, you know, try to catch that, that big walleye. You know, you and I were talking a little earlier that if we can get water back to, you know, levels in the spring that are, you know, above what we have now, at like Pathfinder and some of those, it'll be really good fishing. Yeah, you know, traditionally, I mean, I think Glendo fishes so well because of the, the weed base, you know, and the, the bugs and the, and the minnows can, can hide in those weeds and the big fish can hide in the weeds. And so, uh, that's, that, that really protects that reservoir pretty well. But, you know, we get to Pathfinder and there's not a whole lot of like weeds on the shorelines and, and we don't have that same kind of structure. But in low water years like this, you know, a lot of times we start seeing a lot of growth on the, on the shorelines. And once those reservoirs fill back up, we start seeing that 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 fishing tends to get quite a bit better. Uh, Come springtime, then the uh, Wyoming walleye stampede will be back. You'll be doing the tournaments again, and the the tournaments will start over, and the league will start next next summer. And there's this situation in the Ohio area of two fishermen that – and they were walleye fishing. They were in walleye tournaments. They had been doing this for years and years and years, and they got busted. This this is definitely a black eye on walleye tournament fishing and really any tournament fishing throughout the country. And – really a a pretty ugly situation we had two i would say younger anglers that over the last year and a half had just been like cleaning up i mean they'd been winning some big tournaments big fish tournaments uh angler of the year type of stuff um they were competing last friday for um lake Lake erie Erie walleye trail Mm -hmm. uh their championship tournament they got caught cheating. There, there was a lot of talk about those guys, you know, in the past. Like, there's just no way they can be this good on such a good roll, right? Because they, had, they had won. Well, the, the number I heard was almost three hundred thousand in the last probably eighteen months. That's some big money. And um, there was, there was always some question. The Lake Erie Walleye Trail um, had done polygraph tests. But apparently one of the anglers had failed the polygraph test and his partner didn't. So apparently there's, there was some scuttlebutt and maybe some lawyers involved in that situation. But it came down to this, uh, this tournament last Friday and these guys had what everybody thought was decent fish, but not great fish. They weighed their first fish in. They, they do their first, their big fish and it was, looked like it was a 24, 12, 25 incher and it weighed almost like seven pounds. You could hear people in the crowd going, boy, that just doesn't seem right. Yeah. You know, yeah. and, and let it be known that the people in the crowd were not happy from the get go with these guys because of what you had talked about prior. The last few months they'd been under suspicion. It came down to the final weigh in. You know, they needed 22 pounds to secure the win. They came in with five fish for a total of 33 pounds yeah. and pretty soon you could just kind of hear the crowd in the background going man there is no way like the other team had bigger fish you know what's going on here the tournament director kind of was evaluating the fish felt something hard in one of the fish asked for a, a knife from a buddy opened up that fish and he starts pulling out weights out of these fish <laughs> and for those of you at home, that's not a good thing. Yeah, in the five fish, they had eight pounds of weight stuffed into these fish. And these guys obviously had been, had figured out the program. They And then they even had walleye fillets stuffed in behind those weights so that they, the weights wouldn't be coughed up. Obviously, fish eat other fish and, you know, that's natural, but it's fillets. There's going to be a lot of, a lot of lawsuits against these guys. One of the things that I really like about 
you know, your tournaments here is no walleyes really die. I mean, you, they get caught, they get measured, and they get released. You have a, a formula to, to make the weight and everything. And Yeah, the formula that we use could be used across the country, you know, and it's it's really the best case scenario, in my opinion, like to protect a fishery and to, you know, be conservation-minded like, like we are. But we're strictly a catch and measure and release. So mm-hmm. we've got permitting from the Game and Fish that allows us to hold fish in our live well. They go to a central way station on the water. That that individual jumps in the boat. They measure the fish. Uh, our weight conversion, you know, starts as something like a 15-inch fish is 1.25 pounds, and a 30-inch fish is 10 pounds. And then it's just a length of weight. It's, it's just a calculation that I believe the Montana walleye circuit kind of established back in the day. It's fair and consistent for everybody. And we'll run a tournament at Glenda Reservoir and we'll measure in 1,200 fish over a weekend and we'll have observed mortality of less than five fish. You know, I'll, I'll tell you that I've watched your tournaments go and, and, and run and everything's fairly smooth and you don't have cheaters. Well, I mean, honestly, we have, you know, at, four of us that are that are measuring the fish and we're doing the best job we can to make sure that we're following the game of fish protocol with pinching tails and making sure that you know the fish is relaxed when we're measuring that that getting getting that measurement um so we don't have guys stuffing weights down fish i can tell you that (laughs) all right guys well again this situation this scenario is is something that luckily that we don't really have to worry about because of the way things are done here in central Wyoming. So, you know, it's another reason to, to thank all the people that enjoy and believe in conservation. Fortunately, you know, our game of fish does a great job of uh, managing our, our resources and we're doing our part to make sure that, uh, you know, we're conservation minded and putting as many of those fish back in the water as we can.